Welcome dudes, dudettes, and all in-betweeners. We are the Real Housewives of Hockey, and for now it's just Do and I, and uh, we are live watching Game 7 between Toronto Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Who will close it out? Let's find out. In the intermissions, we'll have a little fun, but we'll save that for later. You'll you get the surprise, but for now, we're going to give you some live reactions to this game. Stu, you want to make yourself heard? Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in this Game 7. Can the, the Leafs get rid of those darn demons? Seven <laughs> of 18 years running. How many of those 18 years that you can remember were Game 7s? Three, <laughs> three times against Boston, one time against Montreal. So would you say there's more or less pressure this year because you're not facing a rival? But you do have that monkey of how long it's been and how many years it's been. And the, the team at the other end is two back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. But at the same time, it's not. Yeah. Because they lost their whole third line. Yeah, but they're, like, I don't know, the core, the core players, the, the Conn Smythe Trophy winners of the last two years. <laughs> yeah, but I can tell you right now, man, like, from the experience of being a Sharks fan, Barkley Goodrow puts in work and... Shows up big in playoffs. And Blake Coleman, same sort of guy, is phenomenal for the playoffs, the way he plays. So you can't count that out, that they've lost their whole third line. Yeah. Very true. I think the biggest factor this game will definitely come down to the goaltenders. Will Jack yeah. play the puck, or will he not? Yeah. That'll be uh, something to watch for sure. Both goalies. Both, both, both goalies have been weird. Like, it's weirdly good i would say in this series because like they're either good or they're not it's been largely you know what i'm saying yeah interesting right now to sheldon keith so he went from first line to second line briefly back to the first line all within the span of the first minute and a half yeah trying to get the the big guys going early early prediction for the for this game scores do four two toronto that's what i'm gonna go with I got 3 nothing Toronto. I think Jack Campbell's going to stand on his head. Oh, Camp almost scored right there. Oh! Rebound. Where's this line? Oh, Willie, go! Camp, Nylander, and Engvall? Yeah, that's the third line. Is that, a, is that a new look? Nope, that's what they've been running the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. Or last couple of games, rather. Who has more value to their teams, Do Jason Spezza or Corey Perry? I'm going to say Jason Spezza is more important to Toronto than Corey Perry is important to Tampa. Part of that is Jason, is the Jason Spezza grew up a Leafs fan. His dad's a huge Leafs fan. Like the pre- like he feels the pressure and he knows the pressure. Whereas Corey Perry is just like, I don't know, kind of a guy who's continuing to play his career and just finding another st- another stock. Is he really just a guy? He's been in the last three Stanley Cup Finals, hasn't he? Two? Three? Three? Dallas, two. Montreal, just two. Yeah, just two. But still, like... He's not Patrick Maroon. No, but still, like, the fact that you make it to two, like, finals doesn't just make you a guy on the ride. Like, he's trying to get another cub for sure. And I, I admit he's chasing a little bit by joining Tampa, but I would argue, as a player, 
I think he's probably at a better point than Spets is, and you could kind of notice that just by the amount of minutes each guy's given and the fact that Perry's playing on the power play. Like, I'm not disagreeing with any of the points you said. I think in the locker room, in the, like, how he fits into the organization, Spets is more important. On the ice, I think I go Perry. I saw a tweet um, from somebody after the Game 5 comeback when uh, there were all that, all that news about Jason Spezza and his big, like, speech at the end of the first intermission saying, hey, guys, like, we got to be way better than that. But somebody said, prepare the contract for him to, to be in the front office, right, like, right now. <laughs> like, give him a, and then I thought of this, give him a, uh, like, a Tom Brady new NBC contract mm-hmm. where it's just, like, whenever he retires. Well, did you see that? Except don't feel like you have to pay him Tom Brady money to do that. <laughs> did you see the, the TV timeout footage that came out where Sheldon Keefe shut his mouth and Jason Spezza went up to, like, I'd say 80% of the bench and talked to each player and, and like, talked with them at length during the TV timeout, hyping them all up and talking to them about strategy, like, the whole time. Did you see that or not? I saw a bit of that, yeah. Yeah, and, like, you can't discount that, man. Like. They're giving him a reason. He's giving them a reason to fight. Well, and it's interesting. Like, so I haven't watched very much of the All or Nothing series, other than Quips, really. But one of the things somebody said uh, about it was like Joe Thornton kind of didn't do that as a veteran. To which, like, I'm like. That's fine. That doesn't necessarily like that's not necessarily Thornton's personality, right? Like, well, yes, he's, yes, he's a bit. Yes, he's like a leader, but he's more of a leader in that, like, or the way I think of it, he's is he's a leader in that he likes to have fun with guys, and but, but then, that, but but no, like, but also like shows the value of work. I find that really hard to believe, actually is the way I'd put it, because from everything I've heard as a Sharks fan is, he doesn't shut the hell up. Like, if you watch footage of him on the bench, I don't think I've ever seen him with his mouth closed. So the idea that he wasn't talking is kind of ridiculous to me. I think maybe he just didn't address, like, the whole team or whatever, but I'm sure his, his teammates and line mates, or sorry, his line mates especially, heard, couldn't, like, were happy when he was gone, because they finally heard some silence for the first time in, like, eight months. Matt Collar getting his ear talked off and on the flights. Yeah. That was a good one, T, there. Who was that? Little Bushkin? Uh, Whoa, JT! I think it was Geo. Okay. Is Geo on his off wing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Geo's playing the. Is it Geo that's playing the offside with Holler? Or with Muzzin? I think it is. Unless it's Geo Hall. Oh, great play by. by, by Kerfoot. I think he's been probably your third best forward, even. Like, Matthews. Johnny. Maybe even your second best, honestly. Yeah, I, like, I've really liked him. He got a lot of criticism for the the turnover last game. I... No, I, ah, when, I but, but when I look at that tournament, I thought that's a... Away, take the turnover. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's more of a system error. It came down to, oh, I'm supposed to drop pass it. That's what, what we do on power plays. But, you know, like, 
if that's what the coach is asking you to do of the drop passes, like I blame that turnover more on Keith than I do on him. Like, yeah, you should have a look for it, but if you're telling you to drop pass it, there should be someone there. I thought Marner was getting a penalty there. Yeah. On the yeah, game post. Just the way that this just the way that the series has been called. Oh, it's Wes in, in in period one and two. It's Wes in a game seven. You think he wants to touch this game? Yeah. Wes is uh, Wes is gonna keep his whistle in his pocket unless the puck goes out play. <laughs> in which case, if he does oh Marner hit the post. Yep. Well, not uh not too much action yet. Well, TV timeout, but I would couple- say that we haven't spoken about Tampa at all, and it's not because we don't want to. It's just they've been quiet. Yeah, they they've won they've won shot. Oh, uh, two shots. I don't think it was a good one. I mean, no. a player that I think if if Tampa lose this game, a player that should be on the hot seat, not like he's gonna go anywhere, but a guy who. Sh- should take a lot of the blame, should be Nikita Kucherov. He's looked kind of Kovalev-like in this series, if I'm being honest. Like, just from the the perspective of, like, he picks up the puck in the offensive zone, and as somebody who's cheering for the other team, you go, uh-oh, he, he could do something scary. But, like, he kind of loafs around the ice, isn't engaged all the time. Like, I would I would look at him and I even go, like, Mike Hoffman kind of vibes of, like, if it's not the power play, I'm not that afraid of him. Mm. There's Bob's Burgers movie coming? <laughs> yep, only in theaters May 27th. Oh, man, I might have to go see this, man. I think I, I, think I will. I found a... Uh... A free movie a free movie voucher in my wallet the other day. Is it expired or doesn't no expiry date. Ooh, yeah, you're going to see it. But yeah, we've seen two really dangerous chances out of the Leafs and no life really out of Tampa. Like they're not playing as physical as they have been. They're playing completely the inside. They only have four shot attempts to the Leafs twelve, so three times the shot attempts from the Leafs. Well this is this is good for the Leafs because the the last Two games, three games. The criticism has been they haven't started well, and they've come. They've come out with decent energy. Game seven, so both teams are still playing a bit, feeling each other out. Yeah, a bit of the feeling each other out. Not uh, you're not playing too loosey goosey. I'm excited to see what uh, what kind of minutes William Nylander logs because it seems like he's getting put out like every other shift. Yeah, when he gets the, uh, as we like to call it, the bit of the, the stew rotation through the lines, explain that one a little bit. So when Riley and I played hockey, um, just at the, the house league level back home in Kingston, um, the, the sure. league we uh, uh, to St. Paul's Pride. St. Paul's Pride. Um, the, the league we played in, the Church Athletic League, had a rule that you had to you had to spread your ice time equally as uh, Tampa takes the first penalty here, uh, but you had to spread your ice time equally. So when we had an extra player, usually that meant that I, Stu, was going to rotate through the lines and take a player's spot 
so that I was rotating through so that everybody was sitting and we were were equaling up the ice time. But uh, we've taken it to, at the NHL level, we've taken it to just sort of saying it's a guy who's rotating through different lines a bunch. So just just a quick recap here. Bruins lose in Game 7 to the Hurricanes with Max Domi getting a two-goal three-point night. Max Domi looked really good. I was watching that game. Which, <laughs> he, um, like, oh, well, like, the goals were really beautiful skill goals. And the first, the first goal he scored was his first playoff goal. Not ever, correct? This season. Yeah. Yeah, he came alive in the Game 7. Which, hey. If you're showing up, you're showing up, right? Yep. Interesting that they've got uh, Lisa Riley on the first unit to start here. They swapped in Giordano the other the other game mm-hmm. on the first unit because Riley's more of a distributor and Gio's more of the shooter. So, just to just to point it out, by the way, Domi was only traded like in a Hurricanes perspective for. An NCAA freshman defenseman named Aiden Hershek, who I haven't heard of. Stu, do you know anything about him? No, not a not a guy I know. And they're only paying one point three two five of his cap hit, so they were able to trade a guy that neither Stu nor I have heard of. Not saying no disrespect to the guy, but for a guy that's now had a three point night in a game seven, that's a value trade right there. Yeah, well, and it's interesting. Like it seemed like. Even, even though Columbus was like willing to take on oh nice passing, um, Columbus was willing to take on cap there. There weren't a whole like it sounds like there weren't there wasn't a lineup of buyers. It was just like Carolina swooped in at the end and were like, yeah, we'll take this guy for no money and not give up a ton. Well, also uh, Columbus gave up a leap six round pick t- to get. Florida to retain some of it. Hmm. And because it was a three team trade where Florida just took on a six round pick for 25% retention. So it's interesting the perception that people had of Domi. And like, I watched him live a bunch in Montreal. Like, he's a great player, works hard, not afraid to be gritty. I mean, who's surprised knowing his dad? He was involved in the, in an OHL kind of version of the Lindros trade. Yep. Because you refuse to play for Kingston, Doug, oh. Gilmore, Doug Gilmore said, "I don't care if you refuse to play here. I'm going to draft you with the first overall pick anyway." And then he continued to refuse, and so Gilmore said, "All right, well, I guess I'll trade you to London and pick up the picks that led to both Sam Bennett and Lawson Kraus." So not a bad trade for Dougie. No, can't say it was. Is he still the GM there? No, he's not. I don't think he's even involved with the, the front next technically anymore. I'm sure if he wanted to be, he could be. Yeah, I, I I think he's he's doing a bunch of stuff with the Leafs these days. Actually. Point made. I don't know if it's like just in like an ambassador capacity or if it's actually in in like hockey ops or development or something. Is Matt still in the organization? No, 
I don't think he is technically. Um, he pops in like he he pops into Toronto every once in a while, and like when he's in Toronto, he'll do a tour of the the medias. I think he'll give a a sports nut and a and a TSN hit. Usually, like talking about the team and whatever he's in town for, which is usually like sick kids benefits or projects that he's involved in. There's not many benefits to being a sick kid, I'll be honest. <laughs> no, there are not. So, uh, uh, did you see the, the boarding that Hedman got away with on bunting earlier? No. Are they giving Geo penalty? There's no way. That, that counts as a tip. That's a tip. Yep, they're giving him a delay of game because he batted the puck out of the midair and that didn't count as a tip. Well, that's that's not a good call. Wow. Need a big kill. Yeah, and uh, I think this could really set the tone. But at the same time, if the Leafs can get a lot of momentum off this PK, this could really shut Tampa down. They look bad. Yeah, well, remember how important that that five-minute penalty that the Leafs were able to kill off? And Clifford pulled... <laughs> Some amateur. I I thought personally that it was just a a a really stupid play. Yeah, I mean, there was no reason for him to come on from that angle. Like he could have came up directly from the side. He chose to go for the shoulder on on like right into the numbers. Yeah. Reality. What's his job? Try to hype up his team with big hits. So I can see why he did it. The fact that they were able to make the kill did kill all momentum that um tampa had so in reality was it a bad play in out if you're just judging it off the outcome no it wasn't a bad play if you're judging it based off the actual play itself yeah it was dumb bone boneheaded and from my perspective as somebody who thought that jason spezza should have been in the in the game one lineup like for this series having him get suspended and then spezza come in and play Pretty good hockey for like his limited role. I think was a positive out of it. Yeah, but like so that's kind of my point. Like if you look at it, judge it based off solely the outcome of the situation, can you tell me it was a bad play? No. Which is so weird because he got a he got a, sus- he got a suspension he deserved. Oh, for sure. I'm not denying that, but like if you look, like I said, just the outcome scenario. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily terrible because it could have been much, 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 much worse. Yeah, like if you guys had gone down three goals on that on that power, on that penalty kill, you lose that first game. Who knows? It's a whole different series. But you killed that penalty. You you won game one, and Jason Spezza got minutes. So what about that could be negative, right? And as we say that, Leafs with another big kill. Yeah. Get Another of- player I think that's been really good in this series and probably isn't getting talked about enough like Kerfoot would be Lil Bushkin. I think he's looked really solid, has been a great anchor on that on that decor and just looks solid in everything he's doing. His expected goals aren't great. I but he's not what, yeah. I forget what they are exactly for the for the series, but they were I think they were hovering around thirty two percent. But if you're a while, which is not not good. Um, but part of that is like he is being 
he is being asked to be on the ice against point against against Stamkos against Kucherov a lot because he's playing with Riley. And he's a slower guy, so like considering that, like he's keeping he's playing so smart to not just get burned by point on every single play. And I think he's a good enough puck like handler. Doesn't spend too much time on the puck, sort of deal. Like knows that he's not great, so he is quick to move it and does it fairly effectively. Like a good comparable, I would say, is Hal Gill. Not a guy you're gonna like be like, oh, he's an all star, but you look at him and you go, I'm happy to have him on my decor. I'm happy to have him anchor Riley, who can then do his thing. Yep. It's all about like the expectation out of them, I'd say. And like you kind of said it well with like his expected goals aren't great, but not you didn't say this part, but like you kind of were inferring it, but his expected goals aren't great, but who cares? Right? Like, would you rather have someone <laughs> else over him right now? Stu? Like, I'd like to see what Rasmus Sandin could do, because apparently he's, like, actually healthy and has been skating and stuff. But he doesn't, I don't know, he doesn't provide the same thing, and in the, yeah, they're, they're very, very different defensemen. <laughs> so who would you, your guide to come out be for, for Sandin if you wanted Sandin out? It would be between Labushkin or Hall, but it like which isn't perfect because Labushkin and Hall are both guys that like defensive, both kill penalties. Like that's not something that Rasmus Sandin's going to come in and do necessarily. Like Rasmus Sandin will be a nice would be a nice option for the power play. He's a good like good puck mover, good skater. Arguably your best shooter out of the decor. Definitely was before they got Giordano. Giordano. Yeah, yeah Giordano, Sandine are close. Now you have an argument. I, I think Giordano, I prefer him as a volume shooter. I think if I was going one shot versus one shot, I'm taking Sandine. Yeah. But here's the thing. You still have Brody, so it's not like you couldn't take out one of Hall or Lilibushkin and be like, oh, we have no defensive defensemen, right? Yeah. You would still have two out of three on, on each pair. Yeah. And that's not to say that, like, Sandine's terrible defensively, but you mentioned the key things of, like, you wouldn't want him out on the PK. So if one of Brody or, um, let's say Lilibushkin stays in instead of Hall, let's say Hall comes out, so if one of Lilibushkin or Brody take a penalty... You're kind of forced into it, right? Yeah, for sure. Whoa, Jason Spezza just took a shot at 89.3 miles per hour. Jeez! Old man can still shoot. Yeah. Maybe it's all those years using using a wooden stick. Do you remember when he used to pass to an imaginary friend in Ottawa? (laughs) Yeah, our dad's dad's co-worker, or classmate i guess at that time was from ottawa and she i think she even had a name for spetz's imaginary friend but yeah it was some years in ottawa where they weren't this is after the mike fisher trade if i'm not wrong right i think so because it was when they were tearing down but they weren't torn down yet yeah they still had like they still had alfredson they still had spetza uh, I think Heatley was gone. Chris Phillips was still there. He was just always there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but regardless, 
So he would be known for entering the zone and then just throwing it to the opposite side of the ice, like there was someone there. So there was this running joke that he must have had some sort of imaginary friend that he thought he was passing to. Unfortunately, he gave up that habit. He grew up. His imaginary friend disappeared. Well, I think for a while he still thought that he had someone good enough on his team that he that they'd be there, but then he realized, oh, I don't have that many good players. This isn't 2007 anymore when I had two hundred, two basically hundred point wingers. Yep. I think I heard Evan join us. Hi guys, uh, glad to be back. Uh, thanks for listening to our podcast again. We really appreciate it, and we're excited to have you here. Sweet. Try, for- excited to try out this different, uh, different way of doing it, doing the live show. So, Evan. Yep, what's up? Something we did decide was, if you were the judge for your Is He a Hall of Famer case, mm-hmm. and assign who's taking the pro, who's taking the con. Oh, okay, okay, interesting. So I just can like, decide to make someone's life a bit easier or harder, potentially. Yeah, exactly. So for okay. yeah, for for example, if I bring up Eric Stahl, I'm gonna say Riley, you have to argue against Eric Stahl, and Evan, you're arguing for Eric Stahl. Right. No. Oh yeah, I got it. I mean, I have, have two, two minutes, I have my two. You guys. have two minutes. Go. <laughs> I have my, my two guys. <laughs> my is uh, Cam Ward exists. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my TED talk. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh do we want do we yeah, I was thinking maybe each each uh <laughs> ad fit one in. Cause I don't want them to be too long. So do we do okay, hold on. So do we want to do like um like a five minute speed kind of run of it? I think I think like one of us like any one of us could put a timer on. Like we'll do that. Where like each person gets like, like Two and a half minutes to basically do their thing. Each person gets two minutes. The judge gets one minute. Yeah, we just did it like that. So, uh, yeah, I got a list of like five or six right now. Oh, point looks hurt. Yep. Oof. I think you pulled something that's clawed. Oh, don't stand up. Don't stand no, up. No, don't stand up. Edmund. Like, lift him. Just pick him up. Oh, yeah. J- Julian hey. Brisbois just, uh, yeah, he had his, like, he had, like, a heart attack there, sort of. You could see it in his eyes. Let him stand. Concordia guy. Oh, who is that? Who is it? Who is that? Julian Brisbois. Oh, 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 oh. That's gross. Ouch. Just oh. thought I'd, thought I'd oh, shout Juliana. it to Concordia since we're two-thirds oh, Concordia. Jeez. Could not bet that way. Ouch. I'm surprised that was in the quad, actually. I thought that looked like a knee injury, to be honest, but I'm glad to see it isn't a knee injury. Oh. Cooper crying? I mean, he knows. Breezeball is like, get ready. (laughs) Yikes. Do you guys know how Breezeball got to start in the NHL? Wasn't he with with the Habs? He was with Montreal. Well, no. Wasn't he? No. He was a consultant lawyer for the Habs, not officially with the Habs. Oh, okay. And then he, and then Guy Carboneau was like doing some negotiation stuff with him and went, I don't want to fight against you as much anymore. You want to join me? 
Smart man. Smart so man. So you're not I'm not gonna give you guys like a zero because like he was working with the Habs. So but... similar, I guess simil- similar similar in a way to like uh Kent Hughes, Emily Castonguay. Similar, yeah, because he wasn't working even necess- I don't I can't remember the exact details of like what he was working on, but it wasn't overly hockey related even. Okay, interesting. Very much so law related. Interesting. Um, I heard some. I forget. I forget who was talking about it. Might have been on. Um, I think it might have been on the Staff and Graph podcast. Oh. I mean, there should have been an interference oh. call there or a hold. Um, but they were saying that because uh, uh, Castonguay was the uh, agent for Antoine Roussel. Uh, who got that huge contract in Vancouver? They're saying the minute that she negotiated that contract, she got put on the she got put on the list of ooh, we might want to we might want to hire her. Did you guys see the hold there? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I yeah, before they before they transitioned the other way towards Toronto Zone, yeah, yeah. Let's see if you can see it again on this one. Yeah, right there. Yeah, you can yeah. see it. Yeah, I don't know how that's not called. And then Morgan Riley kind of needed to move his feet there. Yeah. I agree with you. Marner, stop trying oh. to do doodle. Hey, he drew a penalty. Yeah, they had to have a makeup call after they fucked up so bad. Yeah, I guess so. Wonder what the mood is like at Maple Leaf Square. <laughs> Pence, how many beers in are they? <laughs> On too many moves from Marner there or no? Well, because he drew the penalty, I can't say it was too many moves. Oh, okay, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't realize. Okay. Oh, well, that's good for them then. Yeah, they need. Yeah, they need to capitalize here. Otherwise, uh, I thought it was Mc. I thought it was McDonough that took the penalty, and he's like, yeah. And it turns out it's Stamkos, and it's like, yeah. Well, <laughs> you're still happy. There's a power play. <laughs> I'm still happy. There's a power play, but I'd rather they're like one of their top penalty killers be in the box than one guy than a guy who's not going to touch the ice shorthanded. Why didn't Campbell shoot that? <laughs> did you, speaking of goalie shooting stuff, did you I, see Joel Joel Hoffer scoring that goal? Yep. I mean, what a play! What a play! Nope. Also, Evan Max Domi. No, big game. Two goals and an assist for him. He's going for yeah, that trick. Yeah, after being traded for a prospect that neither Stu and I had heard of, and Columbus paying a six-round pick for 25% retention from Florida. Basically, Columbus was like, get out of here. And like, yeah. And like, <laughs> Carolina's like, cool. Yeah, we'll take him on for free. Yeah, and he'll help us, which he has so far. So, and then, like, like what a, what a time to basically make yourself prominent in game seven. That's clutch. Yeah. Considering, like, the price tag, like, that could end up being the best trade of the deadline. We'll see. We'll see. So far, you know, you can argue, at least for playoff wise. As yeah. they were, as they were saying, oh, oh there oh. you go, Stu. It didn't go in? Was it, as, is it a goal or not a goal? I, I'm, not, I'm confused. No. Oh, they said no goal. I thought they scored there. I saw I them. Like... I saw them wave it. Oh, okay. Um, as they were saying on the that 
the Canes Bruins broadcast oh. um, went off the post. That's uh, the post for the that, Leafs. Uh, Ty Domi has seven career playoff goals. Max Domi got two in one game. <laughs> yeah, but how many crossbars does does uh, Ty Domi have? Oh my god, that still haunts me. Well, as we go into intermission, should we get into some of the fun stuff? Let's do All it. All right. So what do we um, have here? Okay, so, well, I, I wanted to do a little bit of an intro. So we're going to do a Hall of Fame court. We will each be presenting players who we think are potentially worthy for the Hall of Fame and then deciding... Are they Hall of Fame or are they Hall of Very Good? But the reason we're doing this is because a potential Hall of Famer in Patrick Marlowe announced his retirement after 22 seasons in the NHL, I believe. It was 22 years because he didn't play this past year, which would have been 23. I will check that because... He's drafted in 98, which means 99 to, to 20. Yeah, you're right, 22. Yeah, yeah, because Thornton's in 23, yep. in season 23. Yeah. Um, but the, the 42-year-old from Aneroid, Saskatchewan, calls it quits as the uh, NHL's leader in games played all time. Pretty impressive and was like a consistent goal scorer, ended up with, what was it? Five hundred and twenty-six. Five hundred twenty-two. Twenty-two. I have the stats. Yeah. Also, it is actually indeed twenty twenty-three years. But the thing is, is that that one year, I don't know. It's kind of iffy, but whatever. Okay, give me some credit here that I was like four goals off off the top of my head. Yeah, that, yeah that's I'll, pretty darn good. I'll definitely give you credit there. That that's pretty. That's pretty good. But a player that uh, played for Riley's favorite team and my favorite team. Um, he overpaid on your team. He was underpaid on my team. <laughs> yeah. Lou gave him a lot of money in an extra year that Toronto paid a first-round pick to get rid of. Okay, wait, here. Um, wait, can I, can I say this quickly? Yep. So that first-round pick that you guys gave away became Seth Jarvis for the Carolina Hurricanes? Yep. <laughs> so, uh... I know. Okay, oh, rip right there. I know. <laughs> and that guy could play some hockey. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, he's okay. He's playing with uh, Aho and Svechnikov. Yeah. Oh, I'll take it back. That guy can't play hockey. He's being carried. <laughs> or that, I guess. <laughs> he's Michael <laughs> Bunting. Wait, 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 hold on. So you're saying Michael Bunting got carried? Are you saying he's not getting carried? Oh, I'm asking you. It's not about me. I'm, asking, I'm asking you. No, 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 no. I asked you first. It takes a certain type of player to be able to play with talent, but if you are playing with talent, you are being carried. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, like that was a, I that was a, that that was a rather extent, technically like, diplomatic way to say it. But yeah, so I give you kudos for that. Well, like you like Jonathan Pichu scored fifty-two playing with Jumbo. Not everyone could score fifty-two playing with Jumbo, but after he left Jumbo, yeah. after he left Jumbo. He never came close again. Right, well, I mean, Jonathan Cheech is just one of those players in NHL history. You kind of look at it, you're like, oh, okay, there's that one season. And after you're like, oh, it might have no, off. Go, you don't go, oh, you go, that's just a point in comparatively. Because he had another 30-goal season after. I know, but like, 
yeah, I didn't really yeah, do too well after. Yeah, but comparatively, you're like, oh, he's not a Rocket Richard candidate ever Yeah, because like, you do that, and then the expectations are really high. Yeah. And then... It, and then the Sharks yeah. trade him for Martin Havlat and some picks. <laughs> uh, nope. They got a Malin McCulloch. Right, and some picks. And then they trade Malin McCulloch for Heatley, and then they trade to Heatley. <laughs> for Havlat. <laughs> for Havlat. <laughs> Going through all these guys here. Havlat for, I forget who, but again, I'll add some picks in there. So Doug Wilson just being a, a genius with his winger flips. And he liked his, uh, he liked his Minnesota trades a bit. We yeah. love ripping off yeah. Minnesota. Doug yeah, Wilson. Well, shall we, uh, after that long-winded intro with, uh, a cel- with celebrating Patrick Marlowe's career, do we want to get into... Well, I just want to um, chime in a little bit on my my take on Patty Marlowe. Of course. He so, was the yeah. second overall pick by your San Jose Sharks a year before I was born. So A well-deserved draft. The guy was a stud. The guy was a workhorse. The guy, apparently in Toronto, in his, when he was, I forget what age, but, you know, in his late 30s, early 40s, was still the fastest guy out there. In the last year with San Jose, in training camp, no one could catch up to him. Buddy could skate. Buddy could finish. He was the captain for multiple years. Other leadership came in. And did he cry when other people got the C? No, he embraced it. He knew what he had to be to the team. He made multiple Western Conference finals. He was a big part of the team. And honestly, man, like as a Sharks fan, thank you. Thank you for everything you've done for us. I wanted to talk, touch a little bit on uh, about Patrick Barlow was just the, the Players' Tribune piece he wrote, um, which was really, really interesting, a fantastic read. And he talked about growing up idolizing Mario Lemieux and then having that brief chance to play for Pittsburgh in 2019-20. Uh, obviously had to play it in, the, in a bubble um, environment. Uh, for the playoffs, but and they didn't they didn't go as far as they would have liked. But he just talked about being able to, to be around Mario when he was playing with the team and um, playing on the team that he grew up sort of idolizing and cheering for, which was kind of fun. Um, and he talked a bit about the, his time in Toronto, which was fun, and his uh, connection with uh, his extra kids in Matthews Marner. <laughs> Didn't mention San Jose. What a guy! Take it all back. Oh no, he totally mentioned San Jose. There was a there was a big section on Joe Thornton and how he's more than more than just a lifelong teammate. He's a lifelong family member, basically. Yeah, I mean, I, if, when you talked about the other kids he has, I'm sure Jumbo's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even though they were drafted the same year, you look at the demeanor. Patrick Patrick Marlowe's the adult, and Joe Thornton is still a kid. <laughs> exactly. A kid, who, a kid who likes to hop on his lawn tractor and just go. Evan, anything else to add on Patty? Um, I mean, just a remarkable career if you think about it. Like, taking all the stats aside, because he has over 500 goals, over 500 assists, over 1,000. He actually has over 1,100 points. Um, so very good there, but like just the fact that he played as long as he did is just absolutely remarkable when you think about it. Because for anyone to get close to breaking that record or just to tie it, they'd have to play like pretty much every single season for like 
21, 22 straight years without getting injured. You go down his his stats page, and like every year, it's seventy plus games. There's a lot of a lot of eighty ones, a lot of eighty twos, and he's been um, lockout. Lock, lockout. Yeah, well, there's the the two thousand four, two thousand five lockout, um, and then the 20, and then played, 2012, 13. And then, he, he played a full he played a full forty eight games that in that shortened season. Yep. The bubble, the COVID season. Yep. Yep. So three shortened seasons, and he still has the record. Yep. Pretty amazing. It is something really, really remarkable. And, like, to go along with that, just to finish my point, it's not like he was, like, not productive. I mean, maybe, like, last year it was a bit tough, but I'm like, the guy's 41, crying out loud. No one ever says anything. Depth minutes. Yeah, but, like... Until pretty much up to that point, all the other years of his career, he was a productive NHL player. And it was also remarkable because his skating still kept up. He was still pretty fast, for even though he was much older. So I yeah, just want to say that. A remarkable career for him. And uh, we wish him nothing but the best in retirement. I mean, we have a GM spot and a coach spot uh, available. Any, any, t- any takers, Patty? <laughs> well, there's a... There is an athletic article by the the Sharks uh, new ish beat writer Corey Masiak. The headline of the article is basically that the Sharks need to be looking for a, a general manager who thinks like Patrick Marlowe. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what, what the Sharks do there. But moving Corey, forward, do we want to get onto our first Hall of Fame court? Yeah, why why Marlowe standards should be top of mind in San Jose's GM search. All right, to court. Can I court. be the first one? Be the judge for the first one? Yeah, go ahead if you want to do it. All right, Evan, you're going to take the con. So you're saying he's not going to be a Hall of Famer. Stu, you're taking the pro. Okay, okay who, who's the player? Claude Giroux. Ah, okay, I just, just got to love Claude Giroux. All right, Stu and I are going to be doing it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let me uh, let me hockey reference this. I'm pulling up the timer. I'm doing the exact same things too. Wait, so who, wait, 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 hold <laughs> on. Does Stu go first or do I go first? Uh, doesn't totally matter as as soon as someone says they're ready. Siri, flip a coin. Yeah, Evan, do you want heads or tails? Tails. Hey Google, flip a coin. landed on tails evan you're first you ready you know what screw it all right i got two minutes ready and go okay uh claude Giroux, uh not a hall of famer i think the main thing that stands out that should be said is that he does not have any uh individual awards in his career as far as i know um but we'll see if Stu buries me on that one in terms of playoff success to a cup final with philly back in 2010 they lost to the Blackhawks, so no cups. He is cupless too. Um, this season, he's with Florida, right? <clears throat> Best shot to win it all. He's 34, 35 now. Yeah, it's kind of the end of the road for him. Um, Giroux is under 1,000 points right now. Yeah, it's sort of everything I want to say, just off the top of my head very quickly. Um, yeah, so I'll just pass it over to Stu. And go. I think that there's still some projecting left to do in in Kojiru's career. Like he's 34, 
He still had a 65-point season uh, at the age of 34. Um, so I think he, he should he should break the 1,000 mark. He's already got the 1,000 games played mark. Um, he's 70-ish. So he's, nine, he's got 923 career points. So that's... 77 away from 1,000. Um, and generally, the, the benchmark for, for the Hall of Fame is somewhere around 1,000 points if you got got 1,000 games played. Um, and then in terms of he doesn't have any individual awards, he finished third for the heart in 2013-14 with a pretty darn impressive season and kind of carried that Philadelphia team. If you look at Philly that year, in terms of scoring, it was next. It was Jacob. It was Jakob Voracek at sixty-two points, and he had eighty-six. Like they desperately needed him that year, and he was really darn good. Uh, he had thirty power, thirty power play assists. I think that there is some projecting left to do in Kojiro's career. He could still end up being a Hall of Famer. Oh, so, Stu, you had me up until you said he still could be a Hall of Famer. Since we're determining today, I gotta go with Evan and say he's not a Hall of Famer. There you go. Fair enough. All right, just for our listeners, though, I do like Claude Giroux. Um, I was smart enough to believe in him. Back in his career-high 102-point season year, I took him. I drafted him, and I got handsomely rewarded for that. So, I'm going to put that on. If he wins a cup this year, I think he is guaranteed a spot. I think he's definitely in that fringe. I honestly was was probably going to sign just too up until he said, "Yeah, I'll say it." And he did. Oh, I was like, he was, yeah, he was he was on the NHL All Star team in that one hundred two point season, but that's the only like end of the year accolade he's got in his career. Does someone want to bring up theirs next? I've got one. Okay, yeah, I'll let you go. Sorry, right. Zdeno Chara, Riley, you were arguing against. Evan, you were arguing for. All right, let me pull up Chara. <laughs> yeah, hold on. I gotta, I gotta pull up Chara too. All right, I'm ready. So, Evan, if you're not, I, I'm ready to go. Uh, you can go. Yeah, you can go. He is almost 2,000. He almost has 3,000 penalty minutes in his career. Are we going to let a guy that's a goon into the Hall of Fame? I don't think so. What next? You're going to say, oh, he's won a cup. Yeah, so is Marty McSorley. He's won way more than him. So you're going to say, oh, Marty McSorley deserves to be in there. No, you're not going to say that. But he got kicked out of the league forever, indefinitely. He wanted to come back? Couldn't. Even if a team wanted to sign him, too friggin' bad. The only reason why anyone likes the guy is he's friggin' huge. He's not that good. Yeah, he may have some votes for a couple things here or there, but was he really for that good? No, he wasn't. Every single year in his entire career, he had more penalty minutes than he did have points. His plus-minus in his total career is not phenomenal. It's decent. I mean, he's got a 301 or whatever, but, like, if you look at most of his early career, it's trash. But he barely scores the puck. His career high in goals is only 19. We're going to let, like, less than a 20-goal scorer in? I don't friggin' think so. Guy's trash. Mike, drop. Okay. No goons in the Hall of Fame. Evan. All right. Court in your. Court is in your. Let uh, me know when. Uh, when to start. And okay. And you are 
Good. Okay. Uh, one, Zdeno Char is the tallest player in NHL history. Two, he's played for 24 years. Okay. He's been around forever. He's 45 now and he's still kicking it. All right. That is, that in itself, super impressive. All right. Another point. He's a Stanley Cup champion. Another point. He's also uh, Norris. He, he, he also he also is a Norris winning defenseman too. Uh, Mark Messier Leadership Award. He's one of the Bruins' longest tenured captains for sure in history. And um, when you look at it, yeah, he might not have like a million points, but like he's played forever. He has a ton of experience. He's extremely respected. And if you look at it overall, I mean, a lot of people respect Chara. And you saying he's a goon, Riley? Eh, maybe, maybe not. But when you're that big and everyone else around you is kind of puny and you're really strong, you're going to ragdoll the crap out of people. So uh, is it really bullying when you're just naturally that strong? Eh, I don't know. I don't think so. So, yeah, no. Chara, definitely a Hall of Famer. Like an anomaly in NHL history, if you think about it. Been around forever, like I said. A Stanley Cup champion, a Norris winning defenseman. He's played like a million games at this point. Um, I'm pretty sure he is getting close to Chelios' all-time record for defensemen, for games played by an NHL defenseman. So something to be said there. And and, uh, I arrest my case. One thing I want to bring up before you make your judgment, he only has a 27.3% face-off percentage career. Wait, 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 (laughs) hold on, hold on. Riley, because Riley got, got like one thing in. Okay. You said, you said, oh, um, yeah, he sucks. He doesn't score. Okay, for a defenseman, okay, Chara's put up more than 15 goals or five times in his career. So, yeah, take that. Shove, shove that up your butt then, all right? I will side on Evan's side. I gave Riley a bit of a tough argument. I think that it's... No, he's all favor. He's all Yeah, I think it's hard to argue against Chara being a Hall of Famer. Riley put up a good fight. I, t- I took the route I had to in the sense that, like, I knew I wasn't winning that fight. You just had to, you had to find an angle to convince people yeah. why you shouldn't be. And exactly. I think you picked, you picked probably the easiest, probably the easiest and the best one. The other one I could have went with was the fact that he has a shit ton of giveaways in comparison to his takeaways, but that's, it is the way the defenseman. Yeah. Uh, Evan, you definitely should have mentioned the has more almost more block shots than he has games played and def and has way over uh hits than games played. Oh one of the one of yes. the really cool like, things I think or votes multiple years. Yeah. His first Norris vote ever came in two thousand two thousand two, two thousand three, and his last the last time he's been voted for Norris voting is was twenty nineteen twenty when he was nineteen. Yep. Pretty, it's pretty impressive that he's still getting votes. Like so he basically got votes it? at the age of 20, 40, 42. Yeah, he's forty two, and he got <laughs> some <laughs> some Norris votes. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, I knew I knew I wasn't winning that one as soon as you Dude, gave as it soon the as he said Chara, and then he said like pro for me. I was like, oh, phew. I'm like, I gotta wait easy on this <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, I gave I gave you a bit of a uh, a, a a soft lob. <laughs> You guys will like, give me some credit for how well I did. Yeah, you, 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 you I, did. I give, I give you the credit. Yeah, you did. You. I was waiting for Evan. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we at here? Oh, they're still on intermission. Okay, okay. Braden uh, point. No, no, we're in the second. Braden points back. No, oh, okay. Buddy, buddy. Back probably, to the game. 
But he's probably coked up on like Novocaine or whatever painkiller they chose to give him. Well, I guess he's not playing with uh, Kuznetsov. Otherwise, I'd say he's just coked up. I know that's fair, but you, you, know, you, you can tell the like, guy, guy's in pain. Jeez. Which, like, here's the tea. Would you rather have Braden point with one leg <laughs> or whatever fourth liner they'd put out instead? I mean, that's fair. Did you just see that metric, guys, on the screen? He leads the NHL in playoff goals since 2020. He has 30. Yep. Hey, but he is absolutely clutch. He absolutely turns it on. Like he might, even though like yes, he's like basically about point a game in like the regular season. And if he, even if he isn't, it doesn't matter. The guy's an absolute gamer in the playoffs. You know who's an re- absolute gamer in the playoffs? Who? Carter Verhage. Yes, thank you for bringing that up. He has been so so good for for, for Florida. I mean, he want he has he the most that game winner to, to what was it to basically uh, send them to the second round. His caps and most points in the playoffs. Wait, does he actually right now? Yeah. Yeah. Away. Well, that might have been passed last night because he was tied with McDavid. And I haven't checked. Right, well, let me hear. Let me, this morning. No, no, no. Oh, he's tied with McDavid. They both have 12 yep, points. Tied with McDavid. Verhage. What a beast. What a beast. Former Leaf. Oh, come on. Come on. Come on. Yes, he was, draft, he was drafted by the Leafs. Yeah, six goals, six assists, 12 points in six games plus eight for Carter Verhage. Um, I will. But I don't. Uh, I was going to say, oh, my God. Jeez. Okay. So, all right. Let me, let me say this because he played five yeah i played five games okay five games against caps only the second game he played he was a minus student scoring any points all the other games multi-point games on assist first game third game two goals third game he's a five point night two goals three assists five uh five points and then uh most recently for them to win the series one goal one assist but the game-winning goal to send them to the semifinals. so huge huge performance from him He's not a Kovalev player. He's a two-way player. Yeah, he's reliable. You can play him pretty much anywhere, and he makes other players around him actually better. If you if you watch Florida, if he's like deployed, let's say on their third line, their third line, I say air quotes because they're they're freaking stacked. Buddy gets it done. Let's just say, and he can also shoot too. My God, and he's actually pretty fast too. So late, late bloomer. Yeah, no, for sure. Mm-hmm. But hey, you know, Florida, Florida's definitely yeah. happy with that pickup. I'm so disappointed the Leafs didn't trade for Lawson Gross. He would have been so perfect on this team, man. Who, who do you take out, or who do you trade? Really... Kasha. Kasha? I don't. No, no. It's not, that, it's not that I don't like Kasha. It's just what do you what do you look for in Kasha? You're looking for an offensive upside. Well, good news. Um, Lawson Gross scored 20 goals while also being like huge, adding the grit. Yeah. <laughs> so you you get everything you have with Kasha, but adding more to it because he's huge. Yep, that's true. But like, how do you? You, what, what you, you just cannot where, teach. Where do you play? Where do you play Kraus then? And like on the Leafs, the fourth line or the third line? Uh, either you move you move Bunting down and put him on the top line because I think that's versatility. You could put him there. Not saying you do, just you can see that. Yeah. Or you put him on the second line, or you put him on the third line. Okay, wait, hold on. Before yeah, he could be he could be kind of anywhere in the top nine. Yeah, yeah I, I can see that. Oh, also, Stu, because I want this on the record. Your your uh, what was it? Your pre-playoff prediction, whatever when we were doing things, you saying David Camp for for the Leafs, a hundred and ten percent bang on. Big kudos, big credits to you because David Camp has been super noticeable and he's been so impactful for the Leafs. I mean, I said he'd do nothing offensively, and then he scored. I'm like, like I'm like, buddy, scored, scored the first goal of the series. Yeah, I was like, wow. I'm like, I didn't know David Camp had, a, had a, such a good shot. Jeez. Player we missed out the most on is definitely, and I keep talking about him, and I'm sorry, Stu. I know I keep talking about him to you. Kerfoot. 
Kerfoot's been good, yeah. No, Kerfoot's been the second best Leafs forward. Okay. I mean, I mean, granted, sure, you guys probably have been watching this a lot closer than I have. Um, because I usually skip between games, too. I, I sometimes miss a bit in order to watch other other series that are going on. So I, I, I trust that... Oh, I mean, hasn't hasn't um, Kerfoot been playing with um, uh, Tavares and um, Nylander? Or am I wrong? Uh, Tavares and Mikheyev. Or Nylander. You're not, I was going to say Nylander. Nylander. <laughs> You're not right. Nyland- well, Nylander's sort of started on the... Th- on the third line most nights, but he, like, rotates through. Okay, I see. Now, Evan, I asked this question to Stu earlier, so I'm curious about your take. Okay. Who do you think has been more important, or will be more important, quote-unquote? Corey Perry? Jason Spezza? Uh, Jason Spezza, I'll go with my gut. Because I think Tampa has so many different players that can just do something for them, and I feel like historically, like, the Leafs, like, I don't know, like that. Like, Spezza has to be a factor. Different points. Like he'll even if he doesn't score a lot, he'll he'll need to score like some important goals for you guys. Whether it's tying the game, whether you know something like that, because we all know like it, it comes down to like your your bottom six forwards after in the playoffs and getting it done for you too at those crucial points when you know the top six forwards on both teams are are, are getting tied up and then matched up against evenly and shut down. That's where Spezza can really make a difference. I'm not saying Perry can't, but I feel like it he's more important for the Leafs. Just. I think that would help pop guys out a lot more than for Tampa because Tampa's Tampa. There, there's a reason why they're time defending Stanley Cup champions. So, yeah. So, Stu, do you want to say what you said about him earlier? Or? I'll summarize. Yeah. Um, I basically should have said that it's the off-ice stuff. It's the, the talking in the room. It's the talking on the bench that really sort of cements that's as important to the Leafs. And that, I don't know, like, I, I said that Corey Perry is just kind of a guy who's still, bent, like, continuing his career bouncing from team to team a little bit, to which Riley gave me some pushback, and I, I agree that maybe a guy is not exactly what I mean, but, like, he's not, I don't know, he's not, he's not a, he's not a, neither of them, Spezza or Perry are gonna are huge game changers out on the ice. Perry probably gets more in terms of ice time because he plays on their power play more. The Leafs like hardly ever. The Leafs don't use their second unit very much, and so and their fourth line gets like five and a half minutes. But I think it's the off ice stuff that really pushes Spezza. And Stu kind of summed up my point there. I kind of just said like. I think if you're talking on ice, Perry's still more effective as a player. But if you're talking off ice, like, Spezza's way more important. So it depends on what you're looking for out of that fourth line bet, right? For sure. And I think that makes my answer a little bit different for what you guys said then. It makes sense. I, li- I like the, the off ice answer. I think that makes a lot of sense. But the thing is, is that from what I heard and seen or whatever read, I guess you could say, like, <clears throat> Perry's integrated well in that locker room and, you know... Yeah, but he's not out there giving speeches during like TV timeouts to everyone, and while the coach shuts the fuck up. All right, okay, fair, fair enough, fair enough, right? But again, the, you guys have noticed yeah. that I didn't. I only noticed stuff about yeah. 
very more so than uh, I'm not disrespecting your, your take either. Like, I like your take. I think you're right. Like, if the Leafs are going to go far, Spezza's going to have to have big moments. Ah! Let's go! And Johnny T, That's the captain, vintage. getting it done Vintage right JT. Vintage. Yeah, that was, that vintage, was vintage, man. He one man back. But do you know what? He's a tank. Can I, can I tell you what? Can I point out what I saw there, though? That's my $11 million captain. <laughs> there you, know you go, Stu. Say it louder. <laughs> His teammates tried to... Don't don't tell me that they're reviewing this. Interference? No goal. Oh, no. They're not even reviewing it. Wes, you're screwing me. There goes your $11 million player. Ugh. Oh, man. He's looking like Crosby right now out there on that play. Behind the net. Where's the interference? How is that interference? What's this call? Challenge it. Yeah, challenge it. You have to, but you have to challenge it. In a game seven, like, you have to. If Sheldon Keith is not, he should not have a job. I'll I'll say say something like what Riley would say. Honestly, it's so stupid. They should hire uh, Daryl Sutter for the game. (laughs) That was so funny. They're like, hey, did you hear what Klingberg said? Oh, no, what? Or whatever it was. He, like, completely dismissed it. It was like, you know, whatever. Like, uh, just so funny. Setters, setters seven and three in game sevens. Experience. Experience. As a coach. I don't know what he is. I don't know what his record is a player would be. So, Evan, do you want to uh, bring up your player? Yeah. Here's a player that's been retired for a while. Uh, Yuri Lettinen. All stars. Ooh, Yuri Lettinen. Well, you guys pull that up. Uh, You guys pick sides to a coin. Someone pick a side to a coin. And then, Riley, you flip it. Uh, Pick heads or tails. Need one of you to do. I'll take tails. Okay, uh, you're arguing against uh, Stu. You're arguing for. I'm going to time it, or... Yeah, I'll probably time it. Yeah, who's going first? Wait, so who wants to go first? Unless... Do you want to go first? Uh, sure. Okay. Uh, one, two, three, and go. If you look purely at Yari Lettinen's just just statistical numbers, he's got 875 career games played. Doesn't hit the thousand, doesn't hit the thousand mark that is sort of generally accepted as, for a guy who played 14 years, 875 games, is good, I don't know that it's necessarily Hall of Fame. 243 goals, 271 assists, 514 career points. Yeah, those are fine. But where his Hall of Fame case, I believe, takes off is in looking at his individual award. Because he won back-to-back Selkies in... 99, 97, 98, and 98, 99, as a, 24, as a 24-year-old and a 25-year-old, and then sneaks another, a third Selkie uh, with Dallas as a 28-year-old in 2001, 2002, and just like, like he was always a consistent point producer, but it was just known for being the the premier defensive guy in the league. Won a Stanley Cup with Dallas. 
probably the a close comparable to look at is that they've already put Guy Carboneau in the Hall of Fame, who has like similar ish career numbers. Uh, and just to, to conclude, three Selkies for Carboneau, three Selkies for Lettinen. That's where I stand. Lettinen's Hall of Famer because Guy Carboneau is. Okay. Riley, I think, yeah, we can take two minutes and just let you go. I'm ready to roll. All right. Three, two, one, and go. Let's talk Guy Carboneau. You say that they're the comparable. Guy Carboneau has three times the amount of Stanley Cups. So you're saying they're the same guy, but one of them has three times the chip. You're talking about a guy that wins championships. You said defense is the reason why you vote this guy in. And people always say defense wins championships. Guy Carboneau proved that. That defense wins championships. Plural. This guy's got one. And he only did it because there was a foot in the crease. So you're going to sit there and tell me the foot in the crease is the reason why you make it in. But he didn't hit the 1,000 career, game, career games. Wasn't even 600 career points. He just barely got past 500. Guy never even played top-line minutes in his career. So you're going to say a second liner with one Stanley Cup where he rode coattails is going to make his way into the, into the Hall of Fame. I rest my case. Interesting. It's tight only because... Yeah, like individual award. No, but the thing is, is that I feel like Carboneau had those better teams around him, to be honest. Except, like, maybe the exception of like 93, because basically, like, Patrick Waugh and like we just had timely scoring. Okay, it also helped that we were practically like unbeatable in OT, but like, <laughs> still, you guys get what I'm trying to say. It wasn't like the mythical stacked tabs teams that uh, his, that we've seen historically. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to side with Riley. I feel like, even though I I really like the player. For the record, fans out there, him saying he really liked the player is an understatement. He likes to bring him up a lot. He would be a part of his like his all time team if he was like building. Are you the kidding me? You just team. throw him on the fourth line, bro. You're screwed. You're yeah. you're straight screwed. Yeah. So, so him saying he likes the guy is an understatement. Sorry, I needed to put that Thank out there. Thank you, Riley. Ahead, yeah, Adam. you know me well. Um. So just the fun, because I was also trying to calculate this, and now I'm going to finally calculate it. I'm pretty sure, yep, uh, Yuri Lennon actually has a better points per game over his entire career than than uh, than Carbonell. For the record, I'm pro I'm pro Lennon making it into the yeah, Hall. No, of I, I am too, but I'm just saying for the case for this, right? Yeah. Just based on how it was, right? I, I was like, eh. I think going second was my 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 big like. The reason why I won, because, I, I, yeah, because Stu, yeah. I think, I think if Stu well, ran I, second, I think Stu probably made it, could have made a better, a little bit better case. Yep. One thing I like to think about in sort of a Hall of Fame discussion, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily, it's not the be all end all, but were you truly like elite at something, and like talked about as the best player in the league at something? For, for a period of time. And for Yari Lettinen, I think there was a period where peop- you said best defensive player in the league and people went Yari Lettinen. Yep. So that, I think that that helps his, like same, like, and that's sort of largely the same with talking about Guy Carboneau or Bob Gainey. 
Like, they essentially, like, those are guys that they're in the Hall of Fame because they <laughs> because of their defensive acumen yep. and their championship and their championships for Carbono and Ganey. Yep. And like, I, I'm glad I br- you I was able to bring up like the foot in the crease win versus like three three championships. Like that made made for a good case too, right? It it it, yeah. it totally like did. the it totally. I think that also was a big that that was kind of a tipping point for me. Because that whole that's such a controversial that's probably like one of the most controversial cup wins yeah. of all time. I think I, I wrote it in the in the, the planning doc for this um episode. Uh and I was gonna ask just sort of the question of Guy Carbono as a Hall of Famer, because I know when he got in a lot of people were like, Guy Carbono a Hall of Famer, really? Um and I think that that, that point that he was so good defensively that, like, especially you talk about the the ninety three year, he asked the coach to put him against Gretzky. He said, "I want to go up against Gretzky in this final." Yep, and he largely <laughs> helped mitigate the damage. <laughs> and because you're, glad- you're not stopping Wayne Gretzky. I'm glad you ever brought up Bergeron when talking about like defensive players of their era, just because you can't say, Oh, he's good at defense and like stop there. Yeah. He's been yes! Let's go, Morgan. Let's go, Mo. There you go. Big one, big one. Let's get it. But yeah. Like, I'm glad you didn't bring up Bergeron because like, buddy scores, buddy puts up points. Like you can't know, just look dude, at me Ber- and go. Bergeron, Bergeron is yeah. insane. Like guy just like fine. He, yeah. he ages like fine wine. He just gets better. Like it's with age. It's like insane. Something I wanted to bring up earlier while Stu was talking about him when I interrupt him. Matthews went from one hit a game up to four. In the playoffs? Yeah. Up yeah. to above that's, four. That's great. Yeah, he's been, he's been noticeably more physical. Yeah. And that's been huge. And what a shot by Morgan was, Ryan. Man. I think it was game, Ooh, game four, nice. game five. Matthews had like eight hits and six shots. Hold on, hold on. I just want to say something. If you watch the replay again, if they showed again, how did Matthews know Riley was there? I didn't seem to even look. They're not going to show the replay again. That kind of sucks. But like, I yeah. didn't look up. I think he kind of knew, like peripherally. Yeah, but that's still just crazy. Full speed, yeah, it's crazy. Like, he, yeah, he taped to tape past it without like giving a <laughs> yeah, walk. Yeah, and and the defensive was closing in on him like quickly too. Mm-hmm. Well, two of them were yeah, actually. No, yeah, good point. Like. I would say before, like before this season, I thought of Matthews as like a guy who's like he's gonna get like ninety points because he scores sixty goals. But I didn't think he really was gonna put up a ton in terms of assists. But this year, he's been really creative and smart as a playmaker, and it makes me think like he could he could be chugging around a hundred and like ten points in a healthy season 115 this isn't a to discount anything so let me finish my point before you make any judgment when you're a prolific goal scorer and you get two defensemen around you anytime you touch the puck it makes it easier for you to be a playmaker yeah you're passing to an open guy yep and again i'm really trying to say that without discounting him as a passer at all because i agree i think he's taken a step up in his passing game in general but 
when you have the two guys closing in on you, if you get that pass off, even if it's a shittier pass, it can turn into a better play. Yeah, but like, I don't know. I thought of his production was going to be like Ovechkin sort of like that. It wasn't going to be, he wasn't going to get a crazy amount of assists. Like Ovechkin tops, I think tops career assists is. Uh, oh, it's it's pretty high, like, dude. Oh, oh, oh. Ov Ov Ov's had hit like over fifty before. Oh yeah, I guess he had he had fifty four. He had fifty four his rookie season. He's at fifty nine, but I don't know. Like he's not like Ovechkin's not a playmaker. In a lot of his assists, a lot of his assists like, I think end up end up being yeah, like rebounds yep. or like he's not 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 that he's a, a bad playmaker. I just think that there's more sort of playmaking to Matthews' game that I didn't that I didn't think that I didn't know really sort of existed before this year. And I think a lot of it does come out of those situations of, oh, I'm being double teamed. I got to get rid of it, right? And that's not, again, that's not to discount him. That's good decision making. Yeah. No, oh, yeah, definitely, like, take advantage of, of being, like, man-marked and whatnot. And, like, you know, just give it to one of your teammates. Like, Bunting being probably a healthy recipient of that. And also Marner, because Marner hit 30 goals this season. Or over 30 goals. So, there you go. I still think they should trade Marner for uh, Matt Kachuk. Matt Kachuk's looked terrible in the playoffs. Why is Every he like, Marner, why Calgary? the hell is he fighting? It's like, they need him to be scoring. You know his penalty image dropped like drastically this year compared to like what we know it to be. He's scoring like way more. I mean, he's, he had a hundred point season. Kind of, kind of silly. Oh, wow. what the hell? Oh my God, oh my Nick. Jeez, oh, out of nowhere. No, that wasn't an hour. That was the Leafs defense going to sleep. Well, yeah, let's also replay on this because that happened fast while we were talking to. Okay, why are you showing me a shot? Show me the fucking replay. Show me the replay. <laughs> that was go. a very nice Andre Vasilevsky save. I get it. Like, he just, who the hell did he dipsy doodle? Kalorn just takes Muzzin's stick. Yeah. But also, TJ Brody looks like he's asleep here. Oh my I god, hate dude. He got, he got dipsy doodles. So whoa, whoa, whoa. Nick Paul punches someone in the head after. Watch this. Watch what he does to Marner. Takes the shot. They don't show it, do they? Okay, the first replay, they show him like push, pushing Marner in the head after he scores. Why is, why is that not back on an interference call? What the? Dude, Brody got... Brody, Alex, Alex Kalor, like... Alex Kalorn Loki is in my like. I don't right. like that guy. <laughs> a lot of fame. <laughs> yeah. Is he? Uh, is he going to become your Chris Kreider? Huh? No, I mean, dude, my <laughs> no, my, my, my disdain for Chris Kreider will forever exist for taking Price out in the freaking playoffs. I don't. I. Uh... We have won the cup that year. Who the hell? I'll knows? tell. I'll just say. I'll just say he hasn't. He hasn't reached Nick Ritchie levels of disdain, but it's so funny because he was on your own team. I I struggled with that, yeah. and then he got traded, and I was like, "Yes, don't have to deal with struggling <laughs> with having this guy on my team anymore." Which, by the way, thanks for the single. I liked him. <laughs> oh yeah, Evan, did you see that Barabanov got resigned? No, wait. What did what did he get resigned at? 
two by two. Well, that's great for you guys. Jeez. Phenomenal. I think you basically, like you basically got a top six. I mean, even if he doesn't produce like a top, like, look, look, even if he doesn't, you're fine. It's in line with the contract. If he does, yeah. it's a steal. Yeah. I think he could have 40 to 60 points if he plays top six, and he could have like 30 to 40 if he plays third line, fourth line. Because he played like, three on three. He played if he some plays power like play. bottom six, let's say, in this, where you 30 to 40, I'm assuming power play time too. And three on three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then that, that makes sense to me. Yeah, and like for two million bucks, easy. Yeah. Like any team would take that. He also resigned Meloche. Do you know Meloche at Plus all? Plus Meloche. Yeah. He's a... No, he's a forward. He's a center. He's a defensive. He's a defensive. No, no, no you're right. You're right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I confused him with someone else in my head. He's basically our version of Lilavushkin, and we re-signed him at an ELC. Nice. Is it a two-way contract? I don't think it is, but like just the the money was. Well, yeah. I mean, it's fine. You guys can manage that as you will. I don't think I don't think people are gonna like be lining up on waivers to like go claim Nicholas Maloche, you know? Uh I mean, I wouldn't shock me, man. Like to be honest, like not trying to be like I think he's like he could end up being a similar kind of guy to like Jacob Middleton. I was gonna say, do you think that they could if if they decided that they were going to trade him at the deadline next year, they could get a uh, miniature, <laughs> not necessarily the same package they got for uh, Middleton, but something. Honestly, if he turns up, plays with Eric Carlson, looks good, and he's still an RFA at the end of this contract. <laughs> so yeah, I think the exact same package. For those reasons, right? Because he, you would, whatever team trades for him would still have uh, control over him. Right. And that makes uh, a difference. The uh, Kingston Frontenac's playoff run, I'm going to say, is done. They <laughs> made it to the second round. They are down 5 nothing in game five in a must win. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's I mean, not, not great. But hey, they didn't do the Kingston thing and lose in the first round. Rip. Um, hey, that's your future first overall pick right there. Um, I just saw this, guys. I thought, I thought this was interesting. Um, Carolina is tied um, for the longest Game 7 win streaks in NHL history with four other franchises. So for the Hurricanes... This and goes- Rod Brindamore, who's been... And Rod Brindamore has been a part of every single one of those ones. There you ones. go. Um, oh. Um, that was... Okay, good one. Oh! Oh! From 2006 until Riley the present gonna... for Carolina. <clears throat> and then the Rangers I thought, from 2012 to 15. So that's like peak Lundquist years. Then the Red Wings from 1949 to 1964. So that's a little bit wacky with the amount of years. Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like pretty much. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not in, it's like his whole career. It's like his whole career in Detroit. And then he had like two more NHL careers in the rest, in the rest of the league he but, played in. As long as the elbows were being thrown, you knew he was, he was going for it. <laughs> and then the, the last franchise is the uh, Boston Bruins from 1983 to 1994. It's interesting. I would have never thought about that. Well, Riley's prediction for the game is, uh, has been firmly, en- firmly ended. 
Okay. I can live with it. I, I, I thought it was going to be 3 nothing Leafs. Mine's still alive. Oh, I, 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 I never even thought drama. about a scoreline because I'm like, game sevens are just erratic. Yeah, we just, thought, we just thought, you know, you're putting it literally on record. If you get it right, how cool is that? Oh. I'm just thinking, I'm thinking of one even right though, now, and I'm like, okay. I could see it either or for any of the teams. You're going to say 7 nothing Tampa, and like, man, you're wrong. No, no, no. no, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm thinking like 3-2 in my head for either team to win this thing. Wow, that's wishy-washy. 